My name is Aaron Smith, and I'm joined as always by Nancy Bakeman with the Energy and Environmental Building Alliance. And this is our EBA webinar and podcast series. And again, as always, you can listen to this uh, in replay on eba.org in the Academy or on the Better Homes, Better Future podcast. Um, got a chance to have some great converse, conversations with KB Homes. Uh, they have participated in a Connected Communities grant with the Department of Energy. And at our summit in Salt Lake this past year, I said, we would love to hear more about this. We'd love to have your team uh, report out to the EBA community and really share some of these learnings. So as we got ready for today's call, I think we talked more and more about having them back to the summit um, October 1st through 3rd in Salt Lake City and reporting out on even more of the lessons uh, learned out of this project. But let me just uh, start by introducing uh, uh, Ariel Chen and Jacob Batala from KB Homes, they'll be talking about the energy smart connected communities. And this is really the first microgrid community in California. Uh, as always, put your questions in the Q&A section or in the chat, and we'll ask those uh, either throughout the presentation or we'll have time for some questions at the end. So with that, uh, Ariel, I'd love to turn it over to you and Jacob. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Nancy, as well. Uh, so hi, everyone. Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today, we'll be sharing about what we're calling our Energy Smart Connected Communities, uh, which is what we believe to be the first of its kind uh, microgrid community in California. Uh, my name is Ariel Chen. I am the Sustainability Manager for KB Home. I am responsible for uh, developing and managing our impact-related initiatives across the country. And I have the immense privilege of working with Jacob Atala. Jacob, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Jacob Atala, Vice President of Innovation and Sustainability at KB Home, um, uh, past uh, board member of EBA, um, great organization. We're very happy to be uh, here with uh, with EBA's uh, continuing series on um, energy, smart energy, and uh, hopefully today we'll present uh, a little bit of uh, this project and what we're learning from it. Thanks. Jacob. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Okay, so what is this energy smart connected community? Uh, so this is what um, we are calling our two blackout resistant uh, communities. It's comprised of over 200 all electric solar powered homes designed to use 40% less energy than a typical new home in California. And this is all backed by um, a community battery which provides microgrid capabilities. Uh, this project is located in Menifee, California. Each of these homes is designed to achieve net zero energy. Uh, the home solar and in-home uh, battery system can deploy energy to the home at night uh, or automatically in the case of a grid outage, um, all uh, for with a seamless power transition just so that there is very minimal impact to the homeowner experience. Uh, the home is also designed with efficiency in mind, of course, with performance appliances uh, and smart home technologies uh, that can monitor and control home energy usage down to the individual appliance level. Uh, so we are really hoping that 
these communities, these two communities here, these can uh, serve as a blueprint for uh, what we like to call resilient living in the future. So when I'm talking about resiliency here, I'm of course talking about climate resiliency. Uh, so we are definitely seeing a lot more severe weather events uh, across the country, which can lead to things like grid instability. But I'm also talking about economic resiliency. So with these home, customers can expect a lower total cost of ownership uh, since they can expect to have a lower annual uh, energy cost uh, than other uh, typical new homes uh, of, the, of the time. Uh, in terms of certification, um, all 200 plus homes um, are will be meeting Energy Star certified standards, WaterSense labeled home standard, Indoor Air Plus, and of course the DOE Zero Energy Ready Home certification as well. So before we go any further, I just wanted to share a little bit about us. Uh, we at KB are quite proud of our two plus, almost two decade long sustainability journey. Uh, KB Home was the first production builder to make a broad commitment to Energy Star. And we have designed our homes to meet these certification standards. So less than 10% of annual residential construction across the country meets these standards. So you'll see KB built at towards the top of the pyramid. And we're very proud to have built more Energy Star certified homes than any other builder. Um, additionally, most recently in 2022, July 2022, we also made a commitment to begin building to WaterSense labeled home standards in Arizona, California, and Nevada. So at KB, we are quite proud to strive to do what's right, uh, not just for our business, but also for the planet. All right, and before introducing the project, I definitely want to take a moment to identify our project partners. Uh, this was not just a KB project. We did not do this on our own, and this project would not have been possible without these fantastic folks. Uh, so first, uh, the Department of Energy, um, as Aaron mentioned earlier, this was part of uh, the connected this project was part of the DOE Connected Communities Program, so we are quite thankful for the DOE's guidance through this project. Uh, we have the fantastic team over at SunPower who uh, conceptualized and designed uh, the, these new communities along with our team. Uh, they also uh, oversee the um, energy services technology like the solar panels and batteries at each home. Uh, we also have the very sharp folks at the UCI Advanced Power and Energy Program who will be doing the data collection, the study, the testing for the microgrid events. Um, we have Shatter Electric who is responsible for engineering the microgrid and also providing home electrical technology. Southern California Edison, our utility partner, and Kia, who will be piloting and testing some very neat vehicle-to-home technology at these communities. Ariel, can I add there, um, just uh, for um, uh, thought uh, for, for everyone on the call, um, there are probably two kinds of microgrids. I want to say microgrids that work with the local utility and microgrids that um, want to exclude uh, uh, the uh, the local utility. 
in our program here, we think that uh, in majority going forward, in the majority of cases, uh, a microgrid would need to work with the utility rather than exclusive of the utility. And therefore, the layer of Southern California Edison being part of the partners uh, that uh, uh, understand that uh, will help us uh, create a microgrid template, if you will, that works with the utility rather than against it or without it, it was an important thing and something for anyone that's considering microgrids going forward on their projects, uh, something to, to, to consider very carefully. Thank you, Jacob. All right, next up, I just wanted to mention the Connected Communities Program, just in case some folks on the call are not as familiar with uh, this DOE program. Uh, the Connected Communities Program, uh, it is, uh, the program goal is really to support projects related to grid interactive and efficient buildings across the country. So our grant objective was around load shifting using energy smart technologies. Um, so we were very fortunate to be awarded a generous grant to pursue this project. So this image right here, shows the result of our efforts. This is uh, one of our model homes in the Durango community where we installed an education center in the garage so that customers could learn about the special features uh, so associated with these homes and these communities as they uh, walk through the model home and also as they just casually browsed. Um, Beyond the Connected Communities Program, we also to look to make this the largest zero energy ready home communities in California to date. Um, and we even went beyond some of the zero energy ready home requirements to try to really build out the benefits for our customers. So as a result of all of this collaborative efforts and our partner contributions, uh, we were quite honored to re receive some recognition this past year from the Department of, en Department of Energy, where we received the Housing Innovation Award, uh, the Environment and Energy Leader Award for a top project, um, of course, the EBA Award for Excellence in Resiliency, and of course, and then a recognition for uh, Fortune as well uh, through their Change the World um, Award. Alrighty, technologies and features. Let's dig into what makes this project what it is. Okay, so while the full community uh, is a microgrid project, each home within the community can essentially operate as its own uh, nanogrid. And this is because of the sun power technology here. We have the sun power solar system installed on the roof, coupled with the sun vault battery and the hub plus panel located in the garage of each and every home. This energy storage system 
Uh, it regulates the best times to switch over to backup energy during an outage. And it also allows the occupant to be able to customize their home backup controls. Uh, there's also a dedicated My SunPower app, which allows for uh, further customization and allows the customer to also be able to get um, an analysis of how their system is performing and also get any sort of uh, alerts about their system. So with the advantage of this system here, uh, coupled with the community battery to be installed, uh, the home feature has the potential to provide a self-supporting energy system uh, that can uh, potentially operate independently during a grid disruption in the future. Each home also has a Schneider Electric Energy Center smart panel. Uh, this is an all-in-one electrical smart panel. Uh, this panel here was added to enable integration of uh, distributed energy resources and to also be able to control them all simultaneously. So this allows for the optimization of utility power, uh, solar power, energy storage, things like EV, and also uh, allows for the potential of future devices to be added by the homeowner later on as well. Some other neat features that are in every single home is the Rheem Proterra um, hybrid electric heat pump water heater. So that's this one to the top left. Uh, smart water heater, it has some built-in technology that allows for temperature control, energy usage monitoring, and also leak detection. Uh, and this can all be done from a mobile device. Um, what's really neat about this one though, is that uh, this Wi-Fi connectivity, uh, it enables uh, homeowners to be able to participate in VPP, virtual power plant programming for low shifting and energy energy cost management purposes in the future as well. So that's quite neat. Uh, we have a Ecobee smart thermostat and that it allows uh, for controlling of thermostat from your phone, of course, uh, but it also integrates quite well with our smart home system. Uh, we have a two-stage carrier heat pump. Um, and so this unit uh, can cool um, homes more efficiently, remove humidity a lot better than a single stage system. Um, and it can also be connected to the Ecobee thermostat that you see next to it um, so that uh, homeowners can again provide, participate in a VPP program. Uh, and finally, each home also has an ERV, an energy recovery ventilator. Uh, so this is just a continuous ventilation system that can continuously bring in fresh air into the home. And we chose this also because it um, operates at a sound level that's quieter than um, a comparable um, whole house cooling fan. All right, so since this is a smart home, we also have some smart tools and apps to go along with it. Uh, so up top, we have Wiser Energy. Uh, this is a home power monitor, which helps occupants uh, manage the electricity usage in their home uh, from the circuit all the way down to the individual plug level, um, all from the Schneider um, mobile app. So this includes things like real-time access to their home energy usage um, and the ability to control what's powered on at any time 
straight from their phone. Um, and we also have SunPower's My SunPower app, which allows for remote monitoring of the home solar battery, um, solar storage and uh, electricity usage. And this gives homeowners the ability to monitor that all again from their phone, but they can also adjust their settings um, remotely as well. And of course, the final piece of technology that I have to talk about is the community battery. Uh, this is what enables this community to have microgrid capabilities. In the event of any sort of disruption to the community, um, this community would be able to essentially island itself and sustain for a period of time. Uh, so you can see an example of the infographic here, and we'll talk a little bit more about the microgrid on the next slide. Uh, right now, the community battery is still in the design phase, but we expect to be able to share a lot more details about this uh, once everything is finalized in the next finalized and installed in the next year. Yeah, um, Ariel, um, the community battery is an interesting story. You need rooftops uh, to be served uh, by the battery. So we put it as uh, we now have about 100 plus occupied homes in, in the two between the two communities. So there are uh, rooftops available and uh, can take advantage of a community battery. That's um, uh, so it's time has come, but we have not been sitting idle we've been using we've been designing for the microgrid infrastructure um, and more uh, um, more studies uh, than we ever thought that would be needed for example uh, for a microgrid to be on top of um, the traditional grid and connected to it um, what we uh, got to understand is that there must be cybersecurity studies of the uh, efficacy of the microgrid so it can connect to the grid, traditional grid. Very understandable in today's uh, world that we are in, um, but that's, uh, th that's just um, part of the course, if you will. Um, let me take a minute and say the items that, the hardware that, um, uh, um, and applications that Ariel went through a few minutes ago, they are really, uh, they comprise a nanogrid, a home as a nanogrid on its own, especially that these homes have, uh, are designed to be net zero energy ready. Uh, therefore, they have very uh, small load uh, and, and the battery and the solar on, on the house uh, will uh, feed it uh, almost as, as a net zero, right? So uh, it's a nanogrid on its own, Yet it sits within a microgrid, and the microgrid, uh, as uh, Ariel said, will have the community battery to support the nano, uh, the batteries in the homes, the nanogrids, and together they will be even a stronger microgrid uh, altogether. It it basically is. Uh, uh, it goes from the utilities. The utilities can feed the uh, community battery and give it. Uh, power to store or uh, power can come from the homes to the battery. Um, 
And then, uh, of course, when it's needed, when islanding happens, uh, then uh, the, the homes have their own batteries to draw on. And yet when they need additional power, there, are, there is power from the microgrid, uh, sorry, from the community battery through the microgrid infrastructure. Uh, the minute the power is restored to the grid, uh, it things uh, uh, things go back to normal. This is all facilitated by the Schneider Electric uh, Smart All-in-One Panel uh, that uh, kind of manages between the backed up and uh, non-backed, non-essential uh, um, uh, loads. Um, of course, the this uh, this microgrid also supports uh, VPPs and the battery, the community battery itself can participate in VPPs uh, to create economic uh, value for the community and the operator of the battery. Uh, but at the same time, every home is ready to participate in VPPs as well. And as uh, Ariel mentioned, uh, next slide, please, Ariel. So let's talk about these home uh, programs, uh, homeowner programs. Uh, next slide. Yeah, the virtual power plant. Uh, basically, it's a way to say um, I'm an asset. Uh, the home is now an asset on the grid and can support it in terms of load shifting uh, or uh, 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 providing uh, additional generation to the grid and uh, the storage that uh, is available in each home's battery, as well as I said earlier, the community battery are these assets that can contribute to the grid. Um, as a builder, we're always looking for additional value for our uh, customers. And uh, of course, uh, the idea that um, energy as a service uh, comes with even a revenue component to it to the, for the homeowners. Revenue in terms of, yeah, I can participate in um, demands for, for um, energy and export energy at a, a very healthy price per kilowatt hour is something that is exciting for homeowners and a value that a builder can provide uh, to the homeowners. So participation in uh, the virtual power plant is um, uh, optional. It's an opt-in program. If one wants to keep the battery all for themselves because they have, say, an EV and uh, they just don't want to be um, left without any, any um, energy, uh, any electricity, that's fine. Uh, but it's an optional, and it's optional to participate overall into the program. But it's also when you see a demand, uh, you can participate in it or not. You also, in in sophisticated VPP apps, you can set rules for only participate when the price of kilowatt hour goes beyond uh, over X uh, dollars or cents, if you will. Okay, so uh, very interesting, and I think... Uh, uh, what what excites us about this is that it's not just about batteries, the battery in the garage of each home and the bat the community battery. It's also about the mechanical components in the house, the water heater and the uh, air conditioners, the big loads in the house, and how um, when you build a home that is net zero energy um, uh, home, 
very well insulated. Uh, you can um, stand to be without uh, air conditioning for a few hours, uh, perhaps longer. And that way, yes, I can shut off my uh, air conditioner and participate in a VPP uh, or the same with water heater. I want to tell you a little bit more about water heaters. So let's go to the next slide, please. So um, a little bit of a provoking statement. Think about a water heater as another battery in the house, and it is. Some DOE studies uh, in full communities basically didn't have, they, they considered the batteries in that community as, uh, as the water heater being the battery. And uh, it works really well, but you gotta plan a little bit for it. So the, the uh, heat pump water heaters from Rheem that we used at our project are 80 gallon um, uh, water uh, units. Uh, so they contain more water than normally the size that we put in in typical homes. Um, so we can uh, have water even if we do a VPP event and we shut down uh, the heating uh, of, of uh, new water. Um, the water that's in the tank already preheated at a very high uh, temperature uh, will remain and in a sense is, an, uh, is a battery uh, storing a lot of energy that could be dispersed to the house uh, later down the line. And uh, uh, that, that's very simply done because um, there is a, a thermostatic mixing valve at top of this uh, water heater. At the exit point from in about a uh, 150-560 degree water temperature, you need to um, mix that with cold water so that it can um, reach its uh, out uh, its uh, outlets at a safe temperature for residents. Um, but we're storing it in big amount in in large amounts at high temperature. And that's the battery in a sense, okay? What's important when you select uh, a battery like this is to also select it with communication uh, communications ports so that they can respond to demand response and uh, in a sense do this automatically if the homeowner um, chooses to let it do this automatically without them noticing anything. And they won't, there will not be any discomfort because again, the storage amount that I mentioned. Uh, next slide, please. All right, and uh, one thing that, uh, being that this is a research project of multi-prongs, uh, um, one of these streams that we're studying uh, for DOE and uh, the other partners is uh, using the batteries of cars as a resource for the home and the grid, not uh, a demand uh, point, but actually a resource. And so um, technology has evolved in that area and the EV9 uh, from Kia is one of the earliest cars that, um, or, or vehicles that will be ready to participate in bi-directional charging. And uh, we've had uh, uh, at the project um, a, a, a lab uh, uh, approved car and char bi-directional charger to work with. And we were able to, uh, these are the UCLA students that you see there, 
um, you were uh, we were able to do bidirectional from the car back to the home, back to the battery of the home, and uh, potentially out to the grid as well. This is where um, the big picture of uh, uh, you know microgrid and nanogrids will change in the sense that you don't just have the battery in uh, on the wall of the garage, you also have the battery in the vehicle to uh, consider as an asset when needed. Um, and participation in VPPs becomes even a deeper um, uh, discussion and a deeper revenue source potentially for the homeowner. Next slide. All right, before we move on from this, I actually just want to explain what's happening in this top right picture right here. Um, this car right here um, is actually being plugged in and it is charging and running this TV monitor right here. So you think about the car serving as a battery and you can kind of start to see what that could mean for the potential future home experience here. So um, you can't see the wires here, but I assure you the car is powering this TV right here. And it also uh, powered the entire home, all circuits in the home. Uh, as as well as uh, export to the grid. Yes. Um, all right. So thank you, Jacob. Uh, next, I wanted to talk a little bit about the different aspects of uh, this microgrid project impact. All right. Uh, first, this project could not be a success if no one wanted to live in it. Uh, so we definitely wanted to make sure um, homeowners had a good experience. So while not all 200 plus homes are all finished yet, we have already started seeing customers uh, moving in and providing some very positive feedback about their energy smart uh, connected home. Uh, so I've included a couple quotes here from actual homeowners. Uh, so the top one first, uh, the peace of mind uh, that is associated with the community's microgrid capabilities. Uh, when it comes to your home, this is not something we can even begin to put a price on. That's an invaluable benefit for customers that have the opportunity to live in these communities. Uh, and second, related to the bottom call, uh, we know that many jobs these days are mostly remote um, and a lot of folks are working from home. So being able to continue working, even if there is some sort of uh, disruption to your grid is also another added benefit. And um, I see this almost as another aspect of what we talk about in terms of home resiliency. Uh, in terms of the direct microgrid benefits uh, back at home, homeowners can expect to pay a lot less on their utility bills. Um, and this is an added benefit on top of these homes being uh, built and priced for uh, primarily first time home buyers. Um, for this slide, I pulled together the estimated um, energy usage data for the model home that you saw on the first slide. Um, and if you take a look at these numbers, you can see that the annual 
annual energy cost for that model home is estimated at $150 annually. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of factors that could make this number go up or down depending what once folks start moving in, but still quite impressive, especially when you think about the projected savings that these customers will begin to have uh, year over year. Uh, then at scale, uh, microgrids like these could help uh, utilities avoid things like expensive grid upgrades and also avoid the need to use uh, peaker power plants, which are often uh, turned down turned on at times of peak demand. And these uh, peaker power plants are often known for being the dirtiest to run um, and the costliest to maintain. So having a dependable supply of energy can really help to further stabilize the grid and reduce that reliance on fossil fuels. And finally, I just want to mention that these communities um, can also potentially help other surrounding neighborhoods if there is stress on the grid uh, by sending any sort of excess energy back to the grid and diverting energy to power other um, areas that need it. All right, environmental impacts. So as I mentioned earlier on, these homes are all water sense labeled homes. This means that these homes are expected to save at least 30% more water than typical new residential construction. Uh, so through modeling, uh, we estimated a savings of almost uh, 63,000 gallons of water saved per home annually. Uh, but as many of you probably know on this call, saving water also means the potential to save energy. Uh, so we had the EPA WaterSense team take a look at our projected performance, and they provided estimates of our annual water-related uh, electricity consumption on the right. You can see that right here. Um, and that includes categories like uh, electricity associated with um, extraction, heating, treatment, collection, distribution of water. And now you compare that to a reference home on the left, and you can see the difference is quite large. It's almost, uh, I believe it's about a third of what you're seeing on the left. Um, and of course, uh, the energy savings associated with the water saved just from having a more water efficient home also has a similar impact on reducing the carbon emissions associated with the home. So that is this next slide here. Again, you have the rated home on the right and the reference home on the left. There's an even bigger difference here between rated and reference. It looks like it's almost five times less than the reference home here. Um, and I share this slide to really emphasize how all the work that we as builders here put into things like energy and water savings, how all of that can really add up to impact uh, at scale. So for these two communities, we are estimating a total carbon emission savings of over 312 tons. Now, looking to the future with these communities, uh, 
the this microgrid project will be serving as a working laboratory environment to conduct research on for the next four years. So all of our project partners will be working together to run simulations on the microgrid operations so that we can gather insight uh, for our industry. Uh, we'll also be doing comparison to measure the efficiency of the uh, microgrid performance compared to traditional residential solar communities as well. So this part, um, this study will be led by the University of California, Irvine's their advanced power and energy program. So we hope that this first of its kind energy smart connected community, we hope that this will provide a blueprint for resilient living in the future. There is definitely a lot more to come on this. Uh, we expect to continue sharing project insights and findings uh, so that we as the home building industry, we can together uh, can continue to further replicate and scale these types of innovations. Yeah, Ariel, um, I know you want to, you have this to wrap up, but could you go back one slide, please? Yeah, I just want to uh, clarify here that uh, this study uh, that the WaterSense team uh, shared with us about our community um, was holistic. It's looking at the water grid, okay? We're talking grids. Uh, this is the water grid. It's from the source of the water uh, all the way to the treatment of the wastewater. Looking at it uh, and all the embodied, carb, uh, embodied energy in that gallon of water from the beginning, all the way to end uh, at the waste plant. Um, and so they looked at not just uh, uh, what it takes to heat the water at, uh, the, at the, the homes of the connected communities. They looked at it, or the water, the energy in pumping the water, cleaning the water before it gets to the home. Uh, and then of course, as I said earlier, the treatment of it and that uh, is huge. You look at that difference uh, in terms of uh, embodied uh, uh, carbon that has been saved. And the conversation now starts to shift to, is water efficiency a great tool for energy efficiency and greenhouse gas uh, uh, avoidance in the future? Um, I think uh, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I think it is. And I think it's important that we all as builders start focusing more on uh, conserving water so that we can conserve uh, energy and reduce uh, carbon emissions. Sorry to interrupt. We'll take you to the wrap, wrap up slide there. Erin. <laughs> that was a great point. So this is I talked a lot about the energy grid, but there is definitely more than the energy grid to think about here. All right, let's wrap up. Uh, so as we wrap up, uh, I'd love to leave you all with this question here. Uh, something to think about. How can we continue to do projects like this at scale without the grant funding that we were lucky enough to receive? Yeah, and with that. It's a big uh, it's a big question. It's what we're trying to understand. And you 
clearly to understand that you might need a public-private uh, uh, partnership to get to the answers, but then, uh, and by sharing the answers also with the community, we as a community can start moving forward. Uh, so, uh, Aaron, we'll turn it over to you with that uh, provoking question. Yeah, that's, it's the million-dollar question, is it not? Yes. Uh, I really liked what you said, um, about the water, the the carbon footprint of water, and we we forget about that. And uh, we just mm -hmm. hosted a session uh, from EPA WaterSense on their new calculator. And I'm wondering, did you use that calculator to really come up with the numbers specific to this development? Yeah, we did for this development, but also um, we have been using the EPA calculator for our ESG reporting mm -hmm. that we do on an annual basis. Yes, it's a yeah, great I, tool. I, I think that's so important that so many of our impacts from the houses we build come from the long-term operations. And that's an impact we can make on the front side and kind of lock in and mm -hmm. guarantee and take the carbon uh, offsets on it. Uh, I think the second area I think that you really did some advanced thinking on is the thermal storage capability of the battery, the water, you know, basically a water battery uh, in the house and upgrading to that 80 gallon ream unit to kind of be a store of energy and allow you to uh, glide through demand events in a, in a more seamless way. So I'm really interested to see the long term energy cost of doing that versus the resiliency of having it uh, yeah. in the house. So I'm sure that'll come out of the data. Um, yeah. I think one of my biggest questions as you know, you look at this project is, you know, KB is in a unique position where I, I think if I my intuition is correct, you act as the developer on your projects and as the builder. So what type of infrastructure design and considerations did you have to take into account to really execute something like this on the front side? And maybe what resources did you bring uh, to bear to design it properly? Yeah, you know, we do um, in, in this particular case, we are the developer and builder. In other cases, other locations, we are uh, builders only. And uh, uh, I would say the good news is that um, as far as trench infrastructure, uh, there isn't a whole lot different here, okay? You may need just an additional small tray for a communications uh, loop that is private to the microgrid. Um, and sometimes you can even uh, let go of that. Uh, but uh, it, it, there are, uh, I call them the street furniture, you know, the vaults, uh, the um, uh, the in-ground vaults that we have for um, transformers for uh, and, and uh, then for um, uh, controllers in the community. Yes, you need some extra controllers. You need, if you are collaborating with the utility, you may share uh, some vaults uh, uh, with them to, to put this equipment. Uh, but that's uh, if if this is done early, 
uh, and it needs to be done early. If you're working with the utility and not just shutting them out, uh, you need to work with them early on as an, anybody that's on this call that's a developer understands how early you need to start working with the utility to design for uh, the uh, utilities trench and uh, all the, all the um, infrastructure that goes in there. So early, early uh, um, work on this is very important um and uh, uh part of part of the strategy then you start getting into what goes into the home as systems that can uh in a very uh integrated way support the microgrid and that's where the schneider load center comes in the um hub from sunpower or whoever is the battery provider in in your in future communities um that comes into play as part of the art, uh, uh, architecture and infrastructure. Uh, uh, then communicating switches. You need switches that uh, can un communicate with the with the microgrid and know when to uh, uh, shut or or sh shut down the unessential uh, loads and and so on. So uh, that's really the infrastructure. Um, you may have a financial infrastructure to put together yeah. as well. Okay, I mean, uh, a microgrid doesn't operate uh, in the vacuum, especially without a grant, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you do have to have a financial infrastructure in play. Um, and uh, uh, um, the important thing, as we tried, uh, Ariel and I tried to highlight, is think about how do you also make uh, generate revenue for the customer, not just uh, uh, fees for the customer. Yeah. I want to go back to the, the Schneider Electric because we've learned about this uh, at EBA. Yeah. And I think that that load shedding panel, the the 200 amp load shedding panel that I believe you used yeah. is really critical in this because you would think if you're going all electric, you could reach a point where you have to go to a 300 amp or 400 amp service. But this Schneider product, it allows you a workaround on that. Can you talk about that a little bit more and and how that's been successful for you in this development? Yeah, there are smart switches uh, and uh, breakers here involved, and uh, it's the prioritization. What we're talking about is the prioritization of uh, uh, the, the, the load. And uh, um, I think uh, when it's all in one panel, rather than two or three panels uh, in uh, uh, on, on the garage wall or the exterior wall, um, when it's all in one panel, managed uh, in in a in the way that Schneider has been innovating, is critical to um, not have to go to uh, higher uh, 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 different uh, panels and and uh, and so on and higher costs. I, I wanted to say, so uh, it is uh, important. Uh, additional to that is the. Uh, energy management system that comes uh, together with it. That can, where you start opening it up to the customer as far as what do they want to prioritize as far as loads and things like that. I think uh, we're in the early stages of a lot of this thing and uh, Schneider continues to innovate and propose uh, new, uh, new uh, products that really, I think, in the next couple of years will be very impactful in that area, especially as more electric vehicles uh, come to homes 
and uh, you need to coordinate uh, a lot of things. One thing I'm excited about, just to uh, add it uh, and, and perhaps plant a seed, if you will, is how do you, um, now we have so much um, uh, electricity that uh, comes from different types, from a car to the house, from solar panels to the house, from a battery to the house. And almost if it's done without um, good thinking and coordination, you're going to end up with two, three different inverters in the process. But the new thinking, and again, here's where planting the seed, how do you start working with uh, electricity uh, uh, in in its DC, uh, uh, DC form? Uh, and perhaps minimize the uh, inverters because with every inverter you're losing some of the uh, energy, and so that's an area and an idea that perhaps it's worth uh, for EBA to pursue, and yeah. we would love to pursue it further with you in the future. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I keep thinking that uh, Nikola uh, Tesla was perhaps correct. Uh, it just took yeah. 150 years for him to be correct, right? Yeah. And that why are we why are we feeding DC load in and then then changing it to AC and then at each LED fixture we're changing it back to DC. Yeah. You know I I think there's a future where it can be most of the major circuits can be served by DC. Right. I have a question for you because I'm I'm so intrigued by the vehicle to grid or vehicle to home um, product and to me it seems to be an incredible answer for the future. So I would think that today you structured the development with, you know, the sun power, sun vault, and maybe like a 13 kilowatt battery at each house. And then you have the vehicle to grid capability coming from the Schneider panel. Do you see a world in the future where perhaps there could be a smaller format battery that's permanent to the house? And then the vehicle or vehicles act as a mobile battery or an at-home battery and can take more of the load and and i think what it does is it it keeps first cost down for the homeowner perhaps what's your thinking around that for the future yeah i think uh you know a car is a uh, an, an electric vehicle is a battery on wheels and uh, it its capacity is uh 10 times more than um some of the uh, batteries on the market right now, uh, maybe even more than that. So it needs to be used, but the fact that it is not always there is something you want to um, uh, consider. And I think in your uh, uh, question, you kind of uh, built for that by saying you minimize the battery that's attached permanently to the home and depend on the car. I think. Uh, it's going to be a, a lifestyle, uh, a user case uh, type of item. So as a builder building homes for uh, all cases, I'm not sure that we can, we have the liberty to uh, generalize mm -hmm. uh, as much as a particular homeowner that's building that uh, um, infrastructure in their home and, and their abilities with their uh, vehicle. Uh, can do, but you know, uh, it's something that we, as an industry and uh, uh, community, we need to continue to think about. I was really intrigued by your working with Kia, and I'm wondering if 
there's any thought or maybe a future study on is there the potential to lease a Kia or include a Kia with the battery storage into the homeowner agreement on the front end, thereby having vehicle to grid capability built into the houses. Can you imagine what Fanny and Freddie will think about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's uh, an advanced thinking. Uh, let's see how it evolves. Yeah, the mortgage okay, industry, okay. mortgage industry would be uh, very very uh, curious about this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll save that for uh, our advanced class. Uh, yeah. But that takes us back to, I think, the question that Ariel asked, which is how can we continue to do this at scale without grant funding? And you talked about the financial infrastructure being so important. Is there a way, like I look at this and say, is there a way that a homeowners association or the community itself would be able to um, provide energy as a service to the neighborhood and with a virtual power plant and the payment for, you know, is there a way to take the cost and package it into a community and have homeowners like you showed that said, you know what, instead of perhaps paying the utility, I would rather support this type of infrastructure. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, we love the concept of energy as a service, especially when it comes with uh, resilience and with zero escalation That's into, right. you know, into say 25 years, zero escalation, um, fully maintained, it's a service. Um, and uh, the, the concept uh, makes sense. This, this particular location, Menifee, is uh, a little bit of a distance away from um uh, Los Angeles County and and uh, Orange County the urban dense urban areas of Southern California um it is a destination sometimes um, that's popular with retirees uh, move down buyers that also want to uh, make sure that their utility uh, um, is predictable in terms of its availability as uh, uh, electricity is here for me all the time and also its cost is predictable. So when you offer energy as a service and also let's add another layer, part of the service is to give you an opportunity to uh, make revenue through the VPP. Uh, all of it, it makes a lot of sense and I think then you start uh, uh, replacing um, the the um, the potential costs, escalate always escalating costs of utilities. That I think there is uh, a very good story here. Now, where does it go? Does it go in the HOA um, infrastructure, uh, infrastructure, or is it separate, just as a layer, a utility district layer on on? Uh, here that is paid as a monthly bill, like just like uh, the uh, bill for Southern California Edison. These are things that I think uh, marketing teams uh, and uh, customer research will uh, will help us evolve how we think about it. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you so much. Uh, I th I'm I'm already thinking that like the most incredible general session would be to have 
KB Holmes, with Sun Power, with Schneider Electric, with Southern California Edison, with UCI, with DOE, maybe with Kia and Equibee and Brone and Carrier and EPA WaterSense <laughs> and like the whole team because it's such a it's such an advanced way of thinking about not only the house and I think we've always thought about the house as a system, but then taking it to from that nano grid scale to this micro grid scale. And I think that's the next frontier for all of us. So uh, I'll be talking to you more about having him out to Salt Lake and and uh, checking back in with you come uh, October, I think would be just incredible. So Jacob and Ariel, thank you as always for uh, joining us today. And for everyone, uh, if you missed the beginning or you want to send it to a friend, eba.org in the webinar series, um, you can watch this in replay.